You're watching the Tesla Life with your host, Mark Cogman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tesla Life number 266. Here we are, the, uh, what is it, the 10th? Yeah, 10th of August, 2022. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. And with us, per regular, we have Mr. Case Green joining us from uh, the D.C. area. How are you today, sir? Doing pretty well. Uh, first in the chat, today was uh, was Hockey Day. And before that was me, of course. But the, the computer doesn't think that that, that that counts. It also doesn't think that count. It doesn't think the Hockey Day's first message counts, even though I'm looking right at it. So uh, for uh, uh, Dana Pearson, it says, hey, guys. And then, then it says Hockey Day message. So that's interesting to me. And Hockey Day also says, uh, great show, Pat, or great article, Patrick. <laughs> oh, he's already looking Very ahead. Good. So uh, welcome, yes. <laughs> uh, Dana and Hockey Day. Uh, also joining us, Mr. Patrick Connor joins us from the Skyview camera. How are you today, sir? <laughs> Hi, I, I he, have the he got the Ant-Man device. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize how it'll show all my messy desk over here. So maybe I should clean up or move my camera. But eh, whatever. Well, I'm a monkey friend. Cool. <laughs> now is that one of those yep. 4K drones flying around in your room, there, Patrick? It's it's pretty stationary. Yes. yes, yes, yeah. It's got max stability turned on. Yes, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Very high tech. Only the best for you, Mark. <laughs> Very good, very good. Well, this week, we've got a bunch of news, and we're going to start out with one that is either good timing or bad timing. It really depends on your uh, perspective. Uh, because, of course, there was the uh, shareholders call that happened Thursday, almost a week ago. And, of course, yeah. all of this news has been leaked out, so we're just going to go into some highlights and just talk a little bit about it. Not going to go into a ton of detail, but uh, we're going to talk about some... some uh, points that uh, uh, were obvious to us and, and thought we would repeat uh, a little bit here. So, uh, of course, uh, the meeting happened, and uh, one of the lead-ups to the meeting, of course, was that there was going to be a vote on the share split. It was uh, mm -hmm. proposed to be a uh, one to three shares, and uh, that uh, was uh, confirmed. Uh, the vote happened, and the shareholders said, yeah, we'd like a one to three split. And uh, that actually happened. So uh, as of, I believe, August 25th, if you're holding some Tesla stock, uh, that's the day it'll show the uh, increased amount of uh, shares. Uh, so that uh, it happens the by end of day on the 24th and on the 25th, it'll show in your portfolio. So uh, everyone seems pretty happy about that. No, uh, no big uh, problems over increasing the uh, number of shares that you have. Uh, value stays the same. So uh, it, uh, it could allow some retail investors uh, to uh, grab some, some more shares or whole shares as opposed to partial shares. Uh, but uh, we've discussed this uh, previously when they did five to one split. So uh, not a big deal here, really. But um, good to see that the, the value continues to go up. It made it more accessible, yeah. which made our value go up in the end. <laughs> so ahead, um, I, I do want to comment on this because uh, I voted my shares this time. I often don't vote my shares, but I wanted to support the split. 
but then I, once I was in there voting, I'm like, oh, wow, there are some other really important issues. And there were two items on there. I don't remember which ones that did not pass that the board wanted, but they required a supermajority. So they didn't even get enough votes to allow it to pass, even though something like 95 plus percent of the shareholders voted in favor of it. So this, imagine if you were having like a presidential election and they were like, oh, we didn't get enough votes. What? No. Who got the most votes wins. Uh, but that's not how supermajority works. And and one of the votes was to get rid of supermajority, which requires a supermajority. <laughs> and that one did not pass because not enough people voted. Uh, so if you are a Tesla shareholder like I am, next time they have one of these, vote your shares. And, and I'm not saying which way you should vote. Vote whichever way you think is best. But But definitely vote. Yep, that uh, that can be problematic uh, if you're trying to get something passed and uh, there's not enough votes to get passed. Right. Kind of like uh, condo meetings. Uh, if they don't get enough people, uh, residents that vote, then things don't happen and uh, they get pushed off to another uh, future meeting. So that's my HOA all day I long. Wonder if, I wonder if that um, that request, Patrick, for the supermajority to be removed uh, was in previous uh, meetings as well. That'd be interesting to know. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Maybe they were trying to get rid of that bad boy for a while. <laughs> yeah. Next, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the the shareholder meeting. Uh, I found uh, some interesting. Well, I didn't find it. It was it was conveyed to us. But I found it interesting that Elon, uh, when talking about the gigafactories, had indicated a few things. One. He said that uh, they are aiming to have somewhere between 10 and 12 gigafactories built uh, across the world. And those factories, um, he's penciling in a volume of somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million vehicles per annum at each of the factories. Um, so that gets us up to that, uh, you know, over uh, 20 million uh, mark uh, that we've talked about previously. Uh, where he wants to be uh, in annual production once Tesla is, is spooled up. Uh, but uh, this is kind of interesting that uh, he also indicated that, and he kind of released this a little bit. It seemed like he didn't want to, but he, he actually said there could be an announcement by the end of the year as to where the next Gigafactory is going to be built. And of course, the crowd got on them at that point and started <laughs> to scream out city names and and places where he should place his gigafactory, which uh, which Elon eventually said, "Where do you want us to put it?" <laughs> is, what mm -hmm. he, is how he he put it to the audience. And then of course the 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 uh, country's name started to stream in. And I have to say there must have been quite a few Canadians in the crowd because I heard Canada <laughs> yelled out a number of times. Elon even stopped and said, he said, yeah, well, I am half Canadian. Maybe we should build it there. And uh, and then he went back to say, well, listen, we're, we're going to be building it uh, in a strategic location to start with. Uh, we, we haven't announced it yet, but, the, but we're definitely building the next one in North America. He just doesn't indicate as to which of the three countries he's going to build it in. So... Uh, that was kind of interesting uh, from my standpoint, listening to him talk about a possible gig of Canada. Um, 
And then, of course, that spurred some reporting up here in the Toronto area where people were going back into the records of, uh, of politicians uh, or the government's discussion with Tesla. Uh, and, of course, there's a number of documents that companies have to file when they are communicating with the government uh, to keep everybody on the up and up so there's no backroom deals. And uh, yes, there have been some conversations between Tesla and the government of Ontario uh, as to uh, what uh, would be available for a manufacturing facility, uh, what type of, um, I guess, what type of uh, different um, incentives uh, there could be. And uh, this, there has been a conversation that has been recorded in the government logbooks. So uh, there, there may be some smoke here. So uh, we're gonna definitely mm -hmm. going to keep our eyes on it. But uh, I would be shocked if, uh, if they were to build the next one in Ontario, uh, even though we do have a free trade agreement for the auto pack, so that cars and, and products uh, and peace and supplies can move across the border uh, free, free trade um, like don't have to uh, spend any duty on these things. We've had the auto pack now for for uh, decades uh, between the United States and Canada. So um, not not a big deal that way, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see where this goes. How much nickel and cobalt is there in Canada? There's a ton of it. All the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> we even have an Ontario town called Cobalt. So like that, what? that, that, that tells you how much we got. So uh, yeah. And, and Sudbury is uh, what we call the big nickel. That's that's his nickname hmm. because uh, that's there's an actual statue of a huge Canadian nickel, uh, like the the coin uh, is mm -hmm. uh, is uh, mounted uh, predominantly in the in the city. So uh, not a big uh, not a big surprise there. But uh, yeah, we we'd love to see that trade happen definitely. Yeah, I just did a quick Google. In 2020, Canada produced an estimated. 167,000 tons of nickel in concentrate for mines in Ontario, Quebec, Newfoundland, Labrador, and uh, Manitoba. So yeah, you guys got some, some nickel up there. Yes, indeed. And hockey day, yes, I agree. Kitchener should be the place, definitely. <laughs> Somewhere between Kitchener and London. That would be that would be ideal. Um, next, uh, some more information from the shareholders meeting. Uh, uh, this is a little bit of a downer, but it, I have to say it's a bit expected as well. He talked a little bit about Cybertruck. He talked about, mm -hmm. yeah, um, go ahead, Casey. Pepper Page did, did warn us several times that this was coming. <laughs> yep. yep. After, he, after he read the fine print. <laughs> so go ahead, uh, in Elon there. talked about the $100 deposit. He talked about how this was uh, announced in uh, 20. 17. <laughs> 2018. Yeah, it's been a while. 2019, yeah. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of things happened in the market that we had not expected. And uh, he he didn't say it outright, but he said the price is going to change. Uh, and options are going to change, um, is how he put it. Yeah, and I think the price will be going up. I think that. I think that's. Don't expect meant. a discount. It's, I don't think it was going to be a reduction in price uh, when he said the price is going to change. I don't think he meant reduction, but uh, mm -hmm. we will we will have to see. He didn't put anything uh, in play, but I will say that just looking since the inflation uh, took off uh, about what about a year ago, 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We um, uh, the price of a Model Three has gone up about twenty four percent over that time. Uh, Model Y has gone up about twenty five percent. So if you had to bet on something. I would think that you're probably going to see about a 25% increase uh, in the uh, in the price of the the medium and the high end truck, and we don't even think that the low end single motor is going to be looked at for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're looking at um, at the the mid range and high range truck, you can probably bet on another 25% being added to it at least. Uh, so be prepared. Uh, hope for the uh, Hope for the best, uh, but be prepared for the worst. I wonder if perhaps if they do only dual motor and quad motor, they could not build differentials. I wonder if that would help them out at all. Hmm. Yeah, it seems unlikely that they would make single, dual, tri-motor, quad motor. That's a lot of variation, and we know they like to simplify. So doing just dual and quad, I bet you, is what's going to happen. Give you rear-wheel drive and front-wheel drive, and they would give you all the specs. Uh, I think that makes sense, given the decontenting and the part removals. Uh, not really decontenting, but the, the way they like to simplify and remove and add mm-hmm. lightness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, especially coming out of the gate with it. And with, with all those orders, and again, we know the order number is inflated. When you ask for only a hundred dollar deposit, and then there's a, a pricing change, and then they find out that oh, maybe even the low spec model is not even going to be available, a lot of those orders are going to disappear. Uh, you yeah. know, they're going to look at to their be... rear wheel drive Model Y in North America. Yeah, uh, how do they make any, or do they make a handful? Handful. Yeah. Did customers get them, or <laughs> I'm not even sure if customers got them at all. So I think they crash tested them, and that was it. <laughs> That still could happen, but uh, it, it would certainly be down the road from initial production. It would be it would be quite the way down the road, I would think. But yeah. uh, those are all things that uh, we're probably going to be uh, start to seeing about mid next year. Uh, we're hoping that uh, the Cybertruck is actually going to start being produced and delivered uh, a, little, a little bit less than a year from today. So uh, we'll uh, definitely keep our eyes on it. But that's what has come. Be prepared for a different price. Mm-hmm. Or, or a year and a month from now on, on Elon time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, another uh, uh, another discussion brought up was about superchargers. And of course, uh, the supercharger uh, amount of superchargers coming online. Again, we're, you know, we're getting still that uh, doubling of superchargers. They're, they're want to keep on that route. Um, they're not quite there. Uh, they bounce around a little bit, but uh Elon talked about how they're looking at the data all the time as to where the cars are charging, how the chargers are being utilized, and of course the maintenance of those chargers. Mm-hmm. And Elon is is indicating that we're making our decision to build these chargers based on the use case. How many vehicles are trying to get charged? How many of those chargers are being over or underly utilized? And making our decisions from there from that point. And he indicated some of their problems that uh, in getting permits in high density areas like Malibu, where they're saying there's a ton of cars, uh, but getting the permits to build a supercharger is tough, takes years in some cases. So uh, that's that's some of the things they're running into. And then immediately he said, well, why don't we open up a poll? 
And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, that's the wrong thing to do. Like, come right. on. Right. A pole is going to be a bunch of squeaky wheels screaming about how they didn't get their supercharger and, and they need more. But I really like their approach on data. It just makes complete sense. You, you, mm-hmm. If you're tracking the use and utility of these already, you should be able to make the, the best decision and the most informed decision based on that and the sales of your cars to certain zip codes or postal codes uh, throughout the country. So I think Tesla's got this down pat already. Uh, maybe he uh, just wanted a reaction from the crowd about this uh, supercharger pull. I'm wondering if when they come out with the, uh, the, the, the generic charging, if, if that will make their data more fuzzy or if they'll just only use the data from mm-hmm. the Tesla owners or will it refine it? Yeah, that does add a wrinkle. So when they open supercharging up to other vehicles, they're still going to have utilization data but now they won't have sales data by zip code like they would right. for their sales. So they I also think won't those... know who's on the way either. <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. I guess they already don't have that for local customers, but for, for people who are traveling uh, with, with the GPS turned on, they'll at least know they're on the way. But but like if I were to just go to the one of the two nearby and I wasn't using FSD, they wouldn't know mm-hmm. it was coming. Right. But I would also believe that since Tesla sells about 70 plus percent of all vehicles in North America, that this extra 30 percent that may get added to the mix is not going to skew the numbers too badly. So there'd be all the people who don't get the precondition button. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But yeah, that won't be the case five years from now. Tesla's not going to stay 70 percent of the market. Yeah, They'll they'll be at 85 at that point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, 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 they could still be a super majority now. Yes. Uh, yeah, super majority. Yeah. It, it, it is theirs to lose, though. If they continue with their awesome customer service and record keeping, uh, they, they could find themselves uh, just automatically losing some folks. And then you've got all the people who are allergic to uh, the CEO on, on social media, even though they don't know anybody else's CEOs on social media, uh, what they're really thinking. So. <laughs> my, my comment wasn't that. that... Tesla's going to lose customers or anything like that. That's not what I meant. I just meant as as more automakers come into the business of making EVs, Tesla's market share is going to decline some. They'll they'll still grow in volume. They'll still have more customers than ever. Uh, but but this is we should expect this that at some point Tesla's going to be you know a third of the market. Um, they're yeah. not going to continue to have seventy percent market share. Nobody. Uh, no automaker has that big of a share in, in, in the, the bigger market. And EVs will become the majority of the market. They will. And, and, and just because, you know, just because your piece of the pie is getting smaller doesn't mean that the pie itself isn't getting bigger. But exactly. Yes. It also doesn't yes. mean that they can't pull off the never before done and just keep their piece of the pie the same size as it grows. It's just unlikely. <laughs> that would yeah, take some that, massive that... scaling. That would be yes. that would be very unlikely. But, but at the because, same time, though, when you look at how how I, I, I was talking about on Sunday about how well, actually it was last Sunday before that, and then I realized what was going on about how Volkswagen they're only coming up with uh, their goal is two hundred thousand cars. And I was like, that is so small. Like that's that's yeah. not even one one line of one plant. And then I realized that um, that's all they do for all of their cars in North America. And I was like, oh well, they're that's actually really aggressive for Volkswagen. <laughs> I'm yeah. since Volkswagen kicked Deese out um, and they replaced him with someone who says, Oh, we're going to be making internal combustion engines forever. Uh, I, I don't, 
I, I don't know. I that if was I, the other thing they got me about that. I was like, they said that after this other guy took over. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how you even work this out. <laughs> gonna, I'm not an investor in VW, but if I were, I'd be selling. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, not stock I, advice. I'm if, saying if, what I would do. <laughs> if I own any of them, it's in an ETF. Another uh, piece of information was about the Model Y. Uh, it was announced uh, during the shareholders meeting that uh, the Model Y is now the most, uh, the largest, I guess, margin model uh, yeah. for for Tesla, uh, for mm-hmm. out of any any automaker. So they're right. making the most profit on that car compared to any other model uh, throughout Period. the auto industry. <laughs> and then they one. added at the end of it, and next year in 2023. Uh, we expect that it will be the most sold car in the world. Wow. So they're indicating with the spool up of Berlin and, of course, uh, Giga Texas that, uh, and the uh, Fremont already uh, overproducing. Uh, they believe that they're going to China? be over, over 1.1 million cars uh, just with the Model Y. And that would be enough to almost dethrone uh, Toyota. So yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can actually achieve that. But they did make the, the announcement one car. that they, they believe <laughs> they will be over that amount. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of kind of interesting. Well, obviously they have the models in front of them. They know <clears throat> what their production is going to be like. They also know that the regular auto industry, when it comes to gasoline cars, is contracting in a number yeah. of areas. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it maybe they don't even have to reach the 1.1 million. They know that next year it's going to be down a little bit beyond that. I'm speculating. But uh, they, they certainly have the models in front of them and have claimed that they will have the most uh, sold car in the world as of 2023. Imagine if you went back to 2017 and told Elon the Model E crossover would be the best-selling <laughs> car in the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, another interesting part was about the Tesla bot um, or Optimus, which it's now it used to be Optimus Subprime, but I noticed it's got <laughs> it's got to level up. It's just Optimus now. So uh, Elon talked about how uh, he believes that analysts have really missed the mark when it comes to this this new bot and its AI and how it's going to revolutionize what we do here for the labor market. And uh, he's actually had said this previously, but he reiterated it again the other day where he said that he believes that the bot business is going to even outpace the car business for Tesla. So uh, he's, you know, he's betting big. He said it's going to cost more than the car. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not surprising uh, because you're going to be able to uh, use this bot in a number of different labor saving ways and of course you don't use your car that often but if you've got if you've got a a a labor a laborer that costs you nothing extra to run except for the electricity uh it's going to be used 24 7 most likely so uh you know just down for maintenance and and whatever (laughs) but uh it's it's certainly going to be used a lot more than a car so you can expect the price of one of these spots is going to be uh, north of a car price, definitely. Uh, and he also, be somebody who he also was kind of, he was also thought about from a, a crowd comment about, hey, maybe we could rent these. Maybe we yeah. could have an hourly rate or a daily rate that, and he thought, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Didn't really think of that. So, you uh, can already rent FSD. Why not rent the bot? Exactly. 
Exactly. Toro so for maybe, robots. <laughs> maybe some of that is coming to a robot near you as well. So yeah, I was gonna say uh, you can bet some the... some enterprising company is gonna um, find a way to have the, the the bot spool out an extension cord behind itself. <laughs> like if it doesn't have to go too far, but it does it doesn't stay in one spot. But you know, then you don't yep. have any downtime for charging. Exactly. Induction pads in the floor as it walks. Induction around. pads, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't charge for it. <laughs> two things about the analysts. I don't think they're missing this. One, I don't think they believe it. So right. uh, Musk has a credibility problem. He's been talking about FSD will be coming soon since 2016. Um, so they're just ignoring it from that perspective. Well, they ignore everything that doesn't have wheels on it. Like they ignore solar, they ignore batteries, they ignore everything that doesn't have wheels on it. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely that, that, that they're usually covered by auto analysts. And, and since 90 plus percent of Tesla's revenue comes from that, that that's probably okay. But uh, yeah. two, they also only look out six to nine months, generally, sometimes right. up to eight, 18 months. Um, the bot as a visionary looking out 18 months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a few Sage. like <laughs> ARC fund that looks out five years, but that's the exception. The rule is looking out six to nine months. So in the next six to nine months, there's, it's going to be no impact on Tesla's revenue. So it's for most analysts, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, bookending this uh, conversation was uh, uh, a slide that they showed for the AI day two, uh, which is happening September 30th still. Uh, and uh, they had a picture of uh, some robot hands uh, making a heart shape. Uh, so that was kind of interesting uh, that, uh, that Patrick started trying to do it. He's, he's almost there. Failing miserably. Yeah. Out, outdone yeah. by robots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and that, that kind of leads us uh, down the road of maybe there will be, you know, some definite uh, demonstration or ability to show us something uh, as this uh, the development of this bot has been really quiet to this point you know obviously they're working on it but we don't know how far they've worked on it what problems they're working with what what systems they're on uh but um these uh hands uh looked uh, pretty realistic uh wondering if they're going to be actually part of the demonstration so uh we will have to wait until the 30th of september to to see that but uh interesting anyways mm-hmm and that's uh, that's basically a quick wrap up. Uh, now we're going to go into some other news. Um, speaking of Model Ys, uh, going to be dominating next year. Well, they started arriving in a couple new countries this week. Australia and New Zealand started to receive their first Model Ys off uh, ships, and they are definitely coming from uh, Giga Shanghai. Uh, they are being produced there and shipped over to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, but uh, People with a long, long wait there, uh, they're probably going to be the ones that have waited the longest uh, uh, because Europe's gotten them. Um, they've been shipped to Britain, uh, and have, certainly they've been in China for a while, uh, and of course North America started. So it uh, looks like Australia and New Zealand are, are starting to get theirs finally, which I'm sure they're happy about. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Model Ys and 3s and other Teslas, the second annual uh, Tesla takeover at the Madonna Inn in California uh, happened this past weekend with hundreds of uh, Tesla owners uh, showing up uh, at the Madonna Inn. 
And this was the end that we had so much fun with uh, talking about the urinal. <laughs> I, I never miss an opportunity to talk about the Madonna Inn. Uh, it's, it's certainly unique uh, in many different ways. Uh, but um, they have a huge um, uh, open field uh, attached uh, to the uh, inn. And that's where the, the takeover has taken place the past two years. So if you have a chance and you're in the California area uh, in the, you know midsummer, I have a feeling that they'll probably schedule it again for next August. Uh, so uh, keep your eyes on that. It would, would be a great event to attend uh, and uh, take in. So keep that in mind for next year. Casey's got a story about FSD with a strange yeah. numbering system now. Indeed. So uh, let's go back to the uh, let's go back to the shareholder call. Uh, Elon 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 said that uh, it's looking like 10.13 will be ready real soon, and he thinks it's so advanced that uh, we should call it 10.69 because he's a big child, and he'll <laughs> <laughs> never grow up. That's for sure. Right. Exactly. And then about three days ago on the 7th, he tweeted that FSD beta 10.69 drops on 8.20 because, of course, it does. <laughs> it's not, not 4.20? Come on. It's, 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 it's two, two fours because you need oh, 20. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait another, another uh, almost a year for next update. <laughs> We're already behind. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, if you wanted to, you could go back and watch a clip about where he said it. Uh, there's currently 100,000 uh, beta testers, and some analysts uh, and article writers just totally don't understand how a closed beta works. And they're like, oh, it's doing so poorly that nobody else has signed up. It was 100,000 uh, three months ago. Well, paying for it doesn't make more people show up. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you're doing a closed beta, you do it so that you get enough input that you can improve the product. And if you're getting more input that, than that, then you're not ready to ingest that data. It's not gonna help you. You're only, so uh, yeah, that's why you they capped it at the right number of people so that it could get feedback from that number of people to improve the product. Yep, and and uh, several times Elon has, has said this thing will solve Chuck's turn, which hopefully means it'll solve some of my turns as well. Um, I haven't ever had a, a drone follow me on my left turns, but I have canceled many, many left turn attempts. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, yeah, sometimes Chuck's I'm sure it'll do cool it right, setup. but it scares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so, sometimes I'm sure it'll do it right, but it scares me. Uh, and other times I can see it's doing wrong, and it's like, yeah, let me just camp out in the middle. And it's like, you are the biggest thing they currently make, outside of <laughs> you know the rockets. Uh, you don't fit in this median. <laughs> well, as long as you're keeping attention there, Casey, that's that's what's important for sure. Mm -hmm. It's our job. Yeah. Although California mm -hmm. doesn't seem to think so. No, no, they don't. <laughs> But that is another story. Did, did we touch on that one at all? I don't think so. Oh, but, okay. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get it when, maybe when something we will happens. We've got it. time at the end. But <laughs> okay. um, uh, next, uh, Tesla has uh, moved ahead with a deal with Indonesia. We've been following this for a few months now, uh, where mm -hmm. the Indonesian president had gotten together with Elon at uh, Giga Texas, and they were discussing um, the nickel uh, situation with Indonesia what they could get. And Indonesia, of course, is looking for not just uh, shipping out raw materials. They're looking for processing. They're looking for jobs. They're looking for new industry. Uh, so uh, they had uh, proposed to Elon a number of things about factories, about uh, different ways that they would be happy to uh, 
process the nickel uh, to send it out. Uh, they've come up with some sort of deal because Tesla has announced a $5 billion deal with Indonesia uh, about uh, nickel deposits and how they're going to mine and uh, collect and process them. So no real details about uh, what kind of jobs uh, Indonesia will be getting out of this, uh, but I'm sure uh, they got something of use uh, because the deal actually happened. So uh, again, this is another story of how Tesla unlike other auto manufacturers, is actually planning for the future. They know that they're going to need X amount of batteries in the future in order to hit that mm -hmm. 20 million a year goal that we've heard so many times. So uh, they're trying to lock up supply ahead of time, uh, knowing that how much nickel these batteries are going to be using, how much other materials, how much lithium, whatever. They're trying to lock up all these so there's no disruption in the most important part of their car, which of course is the battery pack. So good news there. Yeah. And this fits along with just Tesla's uh, ethos, right? So uh, they were out and installing charging locations because they knew their customers were going to need it. Other automakers are like, oh, that's not our problem. We don't do gas stations. Why should we do charging? And that's uh, the same here. Now they're looking at what they're going to need to be able to make their batteries where other car companies are like, that's LG's problem or whoever our supplier is. It's not our problem. Uh, and that's not going to, to get you there when uh, three years from now you want 20% more batteries because you underestimated and or whatever number and uh, they just don't supply it because Tesla's got it all locked up. Exactly. 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 <laughs> there you go, Mark. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Do you think those so, robot uh, hands are real or a render? <laughs> you just don't know. You just don't know. Um, the uh, the other thing is, um, uh, speaking of superchargers and Tesla's building of them, Patrick did his own article this week uh, on uh, cars with cords. And uh, Patrick, take it away about your, your new article. Yeah. So this came out of a conversation on this show. And... Uh, about Tesla's biggest advantage. And uh, in, in a weird way, Tesla's biggest advantage is they don't have to compete with Tesla. Uh, what, what? What's that mean? So, <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> yeah. So it, when the Roadster came out, it was in a category of one. There was nothing else like that. And it was an incredible car for its time. But if you came out with that today, uh, it, it, would it, would, it would not find a market. Uh, there are better alternatives. And it's the same thing with the Model S. When that first came out, it was in a category of one by itself. It had lots of new cool technology. The early adopters loved it. And early adopters are generally willing to put up with some weird quirks. In fact, um, being able to understand those quirks and still get it to do cool stuff is often one of the things that entices early adopters. But EVs are now moving into this uh, early majority, not just the earliest of the early adopters. And uh, if you came out with the Model S from 2012 today, it would be slower to charge, uh, shorter range, uh, slower zero to 60. It would not fly. And back then it was winning Car of the Year awards because it was so incredible. So the problem that other car companies have is they can't come out with a first generation. They have to come out with something that has 10 years of R&D behind it. And uh, that's a difficult thing to do in your, your first product. And so uh, that was a, 
the conversation that we had, and I thought it was a, a really interesting idea. I tried to articulate it and uh, uh, go through how Tesla has been able to make these mistakes, have the skin knees, learn the lessons, and improve their products. Uh, other car companies are going to have a, a hard road ahead of them. They got some bloody knees ahead of them, and they don't even know. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tesla, the Model S had a problem where the battery pack wasn't properly shielded in the front. And there were some cars that one of them was in Kent, Washington, just north of me, was one of the first ones where some some road debris on the freeway. I, I think it was a trailer hitch or something. Yeah, trailer uh, hitch ball, the the three the three ball number. The, yeah, you know, 10 yeah, pounds, it, twenty pounds. Fell minimum. off of a truck, was on the freeway, got rolled under the car, punctured the front of the battery pack, and there was a battery fire. And and of course the media made a lot of hype about a car fire, even though there are a hundred thousand gasoline car fires every year. But the, my point was that that was. A hard learned lesson that Tesla needed to change the battery pack design to block that in the front. They figured out how to retrofit it. They figured out how to solve that problem with all their new pack designs going forward. And there's just going to be lots of little lessons like that that are going to be learned the hard way. And and doing it is the best way to to learn. And uh, uh, when you're small volume and you can make those mistakes and, and get that feedback, it's great. But if you try to jump in the deep end with your first product, which is what a lot of the big OEMs are going to try to do, it's it's going to have problems. Yeah, they kind of have to do it. And, and like you said, and, uh, whereas Tesla now is in, in the position of they can just iterate. Like if you, yes. if you look at the flat, it, it is awesome, but like it's only incremental from the previous ones. Whereas everybody else like Porsche and them who are coming out competing with the plaid, they have to jump in and, and be at that level from day one and they can't. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of day one, California, of course, the birthplace of Tesla uh, has been all in on Tesla since the beginning. And uh, mm -hmm. exciting news here is that this week it was announced that, that Tesla actually has the number one and number two best-selling vehicle in the entire state of California. So the Model Y has elevated to the number one position. The Model 3 is in the number two position. And uh, California is still loving it. Uh, mm -hmm. Not surprised uh, because, of course, in California now, I don't think you could turn your head uh, without seeing a dozen Teslas uh, littering <laughs> the, the roadscape everywhere, uh, all over the place driving, especially... You want to you want to see how EVs have gone? Check out an HOV lane in California. It's just insanity the number of EVs and of course the majority being Teslas that are in those lanes. They're they're everywhere. But uh, this is good news. Uh, again, walking towards that. Hey, the Model Y is going to be the number one seller in the world next year. Well, it's already number one in California, and that of course is the uh, uh, the most. Uh, the largest uh, vehicle purchasing state in all of the United States. So yeah. uh, they're well on their way to getting that title. So you're going to have to rename. Uh, so the California Camry is no longer the Model 3. It's the Model that's Y. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So that's going to be interesting. Now, speaking of another Tesla first, uh, Casey's got a story about uh, a new entry. Yes, I do. I don't remember which article we're talking about. Uh, was it the semi? Yes, it is. Okay, good. 
<laughs> I, I got mixed up on the on the article. So uh, the semi truck, Elon was tweeting about this as well. Uh, the semi truck is is not only coming this year; it's it's going to be the 500 mile version, according to Elon tweets, and that is that's impressive because they had been leading us to believe it'd be the 300 mile short range, and uh, it's not. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's fantastic because of course that truck is going to be using the 4680 exclusively. So. Yes. Uh, that uh, that's impressive to bring out the 500 mile range right out of the gate because that's what let's face it that's what trucking companies want right right the majority of trucking companies the more range they can get the better I'm exactly. sure is what the stance is almost like uh, when the EVs first started to roll out we were all thinking range and more range so right. uh, it's good of them that they're going to start with the high range model yeah and then. Um... This was the one that was introduced in 2017. So you have the semi instead of 17, Roadster in 17, Cybertruck in 19, uh, the Model Y in between, all of that. But that one actually made it out. And yeah. uncharacteristically, Elon time, it was early. So the way I say it is Elon doesn't know how to read timepieces, uh, be it a clock or a calendar. <laughs> it's either going to be way early or stupid late. <laughs> or, or maybe it's something to do when you kind of ignore the car on stage when you're debuting. Right. That's the one that gets released immediately. <laughs> hey, but, uh, no that's fantastic uh, i i am really excited about the semi uh, that is going to change uh, a new industry uh, that has not been exposed to this much at all yes there's there's a couple of uh low mileage uh uh class eight trucks out there now uh yeah. but uh, having one that gets 500 miles of range is definitely going to uh, lead the pack as soon as it's released so uh, mm -hmm. I am sure the president of Pepsi is just dying to get his hands on that truck after it, after saying last year he would have it by the end of the year. Well, it looks like it'll be this year, uh, Mr. Pepsi president. So uh, hopefully Next year. Uh, we, start, <laughs> we start to see uh, some of those roll out by the end of the end of this year. So that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Secretary of Energy just came here to Oregon and along with the Oregon senators, Wyden and Merkley and the governor. Uh, they were in uh, electric semis uh, testing them out, or, you know, mostly getting photo ops, I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> Not putting there, in there's... a hard days of work on the road? Is that what you're saying, Patrick? Right, yes, yeah. I would never I... accuse a politician of having a hard day's work. I wonder if, if, the, if, the, if the ones that we've seen uh, from Tesla are the ones he's considered shipping, or if the ones that Tesla's going to be using internally are considered shipping, or... If Pepsi will really have their cars by the end of the year, or their trucks by the end of the year. Well, we I, I got to believe that Frito-Lay slash Pepsi is going to get the first ones because they've already built those chargers. Uh, Hockey Day says, right. watch for mega chargers to appear. Well, Frito-Lay mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, not Fresno, like, uh, Modesto, Modesto, California, actually has the chargers installed on site. So uh, they're definitely going to be first uh, because uh, they, they've got the power ready to charge those things immediately. So uh, yeah. we will we will see, but uh, hopefully they're going to be released in tens and dozens and hundreds. Uh, it'll be great to see those trucks starting to hit the road and reducing emissions uh, across wherever they're traveling. So that's going to be one. a big plus. <laughs> so there, there's a question there about what's the Nikola trucks range. I I don't know, but they had a strategy where they were doing hydrogen for long range and battery for short range. So. I assume that the battery truck they're shipping is short range just because that was their strategy, but I don't know the particulars. 
Yeah, they recently were talking up their battery technology and they bought a battery company. Uh, not necessarily one that builds batteries, but like I think it was a battery research and technology company. But uh tells you that they seem to be kind of faltering a little bit on that hydrogen-only strategy, isn't it? <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, speaking of strategies, uh, Elon Musk has got a strategy that Patrick's going to tell us about, um, which is upsetting <laughs> yeah. some people. Uh, what's yes. that about, Patrick? That is right. Let me grab this article here. So this version is coming to us from uh, Drive Tesla Canada, and it's titled, Elon Musk sells nearly $7 billion worth of Tesla shares in case of forced Twitter deal. So uh, it made news when he sold a while ago uh, uh, to prepare for the Twitter deal, but he also was getting additional funding from other people. Well, now uh, that other those other folks that were going in on this deal with him may or may not be able to uh, want to continue after all the kerfuffle that has happened with the lawsuits and other things. So uh, in case, just in case he has to, uh, is forced to buy the court to follow through with this deal or comes to some agreement with Twitter and uh, does buy it, he wants to have the cash on hand. So uh, between August 5th and 9th, Musk sold a total of 7,924,107 shares. So 6.9 billion bucks. Uh, he's going to have a big tax bill. <laughs> bigger, uh, bigger than already. All the yes, other ones were yeah. this year. <laughs> Shame oh, he were missed they? That... Yeah, they were. Oh, yep. Shame he missed that split, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Could have retained a higher percentage right. of, of, of outstanding shares. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the split should not matter for this, right? Not for, uh, not for dollars, the... but yeah. Yes. And uh, whatever he has left will still triple. So, uh uh, I, I don't think we have to worry about Musk running out of Tesla shares anytime soon. The interesting thing true. was somebody asked him if the Twitter deal doesn't go through, would he rebuy Tesla shares? And he said yes. So uh, that was interesting. And looking oh, I at... That was, I thought they were asking that of a company and not, not him. That, that changes things. Right. Uh, so they, were, they have... There has been discussion about Tesla buying... Uh, shares back, but that's um, not anywhere in the short term. Uh, there was like uh, it was mentioned at the shareholder meeting. He said that uh, it, it could. Zach Kirkhorn talked about it on the 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 uh, call, yeah. uh, the finance quarterly call, and he said that um, that's in the future. We have other things we need to worry about right now. Uh, things we need to spend money on, gigafactories to build, charging infrastructure rollout. So we're not considering it. Yeah, they also mentioned uh, at the, at the uh, meeting uh, dividends, and he said, well, he'd be leaning more towards a buyback than a dividend. But again, not, not anytime soon. Right, yeah. And dividends are tricky because unless you do a one-time special dividend, then um, it's it becomes an expectation. Not only that, um, there's there's an ex expectation that it will, it will go up some percentage each year. Yeah. And uh, so, so uh, if you have people that buy the stock because of a dividend, you pretty much have to keep it. So uh, it's it's not a good idea for a growth company like Tesla. Tesla has a lot of things to spend money on uh, over the short term that will help them grow as a company. That's good for shareholders. So I, I don't think they should be looking at buybacks or dividends at this point. Well, they've done one dividend in the past. So they're about to do another one at the end of the uh, month. The okay, so... Split. <laughs> yes, so <laughs> technically, 
a stock split is is issued under a dividend, but that's not what people normally mean when they say dividend. Right. Correct. I just wanted to bring yeah. that up as being pedantic. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> I accurate you know, and irrelevant. <laughs> I found out when I found out it, it, it was it was news to me. And then when you think about it, like they are giving you essentially money, they're giving you shares, so that is a dividend. So I can see why they do it, but. Uh, it's a little trivia for trivia night, you know. Whenever we get to go all out and, and enjoy each other's company face to face again, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. So um, with that, um, another story of relevance uh, that has we've talked about previously, months on end, is about Redwood Materials. Well, mm-hmm. apparently, uh, Gigafactory Nevada is now signed a contract where they're going to start purchasing what they call copper foil from Redwood. So we talked about how uh, Tesla is in this for the, the actual recycling of batteries, the, mm-hmm. you know, the closed loop system where when a battery's no good, it gets recycled. The minerals are filtered out of that battery. They're put into separate mineral piles and then sold back to the company to build new batteries with. Well, the start of this for Tesla has, has uh, apparently started this week where Redwood, of course, uh, J.B. Straubel's company, uh, is uh, now starting to sell some copper foil back uh, to Gigafactory Nevada uh, for the building of brand new packs. So not a surprise. We knew this was coming. uh, But of course, they're now announcing that this deal is done. And I would imagine that many other deals will be done along this line as well. So the recycling of lithium, the recycling of uh, nickel, the recycling of cobalt, all of these different uh, minerals that are in the battery packs are going to start to make their way back to the manufacturers of batteries, in this case, Panasonic slash Tesla, uh, where they're going to make those new new uh, new battery cans and battery packs. So uh, this, is, uh, this is just closing of that recycling loop, uh, which is great. Great to hear. Uh, it's not, it's not, these things are not going to a junkyard and being buried mm-hmm. in the ground. They're worth money and they're cheaper to get the minerals out of the used packs than they are to actually mine virgin land to mm-hmm. get those minerals themselves. So, and, and, and when you think about the scale of it, once we're at the point where there's 20 million vehicles out there and they're starting to come to their end of their life cycle at 15, 16, 18 years down the line, uh, then uh, it's going to become a great resource uh, to be able to grab these, to break them up into their separate piles and to sell them back. It's it's going to be a, a fantastic system. We're not going to have to mine continually with, with ever increasing scale to get the world switched over to sustainable batteries. It's, it's something that will take some time in the beginning, but as we start to spool up and as those cars start to come out of their you know, useful lives 15, 16, 18 years down the road, we're going to have a whole wealth of material uh, that we'll be able to pull from existing vehicle packs. So this is the start of it. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to uh, when all of, or you know, it'll never be all, but let's say 90, 95% uh, is actually being pulled uh, from these old packs. And when you think about it, the actual auto industry has been that way for a while now, too. Like, after the car is done at the junkyard, where does it go? Scrap metal. They don't throw it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then already the, the starter batteries, the lead ones, 97 and change percent recycled. So 
Yep. When, right. when there's a price on the deposit, they tend to get turned in all the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And even without a price on the deposit, like literally, if it's worth money, like they will go to the shops and say, hey, you give me a pallet of these, I'll give you $500. They're going to make sure that they don't walk out the door. They're going to have a pallet, it'll be all wrapped up. And when you show, show up with the new ones, hey, here's the old ones, get that chick. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I think is interesting is if you have a car that lasts for, say, 15 years, that battery that's in there versus the battery that it's going to be remade from those materials. Over 15 years, how much advancement in battery technology has there been? So can those raw materials that were one car then make, I don't know, three cars 15 years later because right. the battery, uh, the energy density is so much better, the batteries are lighter, the tech is better. That's, that's an interesting idea there. Yeah, And if they're elemental, they will be, you know, they, they do be great in the car just because of the fact that as the car is using them, it's actually just physically destroying itself, but they're not destroying the elements. They're, they're just messing up their anodes and cathodes. And so when you break it all down and make a new one out of it with the current tech of the day, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Yep, exactly. Uh, Casey, you had a story that we didn't touch upon that was part of the earnings call. Ah, well, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's the earnings call, but uh, California is trying to uh, right. um, make... Uh, Tesla, uh, they're trying to punish Tesla because autopilot and FSD are called what they are. And um, <laughs> uh, I, had a, I had a whole rant about it for hours on, uh, it wasn't actually hours, but it was, a, it was a good chunk of the show on Sunday. And uh, my points were that uh, one, one of the people who, who brought it up pointed out that uh, it seemed like a jilted X sort of situation, but also I went through and I showed you on, on the Tesla website what, what it says. I went through the manual and what it says. And I reminded you that if you don't have the car yourself, like when you pull the autopilot or FSD stock, you get a message that says hands on the wheel. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no Tesla owner under illusion that this is a full self-driving car, except the backseat bandit and anyone who just buys tens of thousands of dollars of stuff without reading what they just bought. I mean, but, like, they, but there, yeah. I would have to say there are people under that impression. It may not be that, a that don't own the car, yeah. yeah. But all it, all it takes is two or three of them to ruin it, um, it unfortunately, because yeah. uh, these these people, like, like you're right, they should. It's their responsibility. When when you guys, uh, for example, have signed up for FSD, it's your responsibility to make sure that the car is acting the way that you expect it to. Yeah. Um, and you sign an agreement uh, to that effect. I yeah, I just, um, uh, so... just had my brother turn on auto steer on his car, and it filled up the page uh, with his, all the disclaimers. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's it's serious business. Uh, I would I would argue that calling it whatever is not. It doesn't circumnavigate those agreements that you had right. to agree to. Right. Uh, no more. Mark brought up a good point that uh, that to track, backtrack now would, would would then invite more criticism to say, see, see, they were right. They were so bad they had to change the name. I pointed out that uh, that cruise control when Chrysler introduced it in the fifties was called Auto Dash Pilot, mm -hmm. and, it, and it only lost its name because of the Kleenex effect. Everybody else had cruise control, and you come in and I want to buy Chrysler with cruise control, and you say, no, we've got autopilot. Well, I don't want that. I'm out of here. <laughs> mm -hmm. and so they yeah. they renamed theirs to match the rest of the industry. At cruise control, but I also concluded that um, that uh, assuming that this isn't a witch hunt, uh, I welcome this because if something is wrong, then yeah, let, let's uh, let's get it fixed. And if nothing is wrong, that just further cements that, that, that this has been a nothing burger this whole time. 
Very good. Very good. Well, if, if you haven't uh, or don't currently, please uh, follow the Tesla Life on our Twitter feed, at the Tesla Life. You can also follow us on our Facebook feed, uh, which would be the Tesla Life numeral one. And uh, if, uh, if you uh, connect with those, you can see what's going on throughout the week between the shows. So we keep up to date. Patrick uh, narrates and keeps the, uh, the uh, Facebook page running. And certainly we thank Casey for keeping our live broadcasts up and running. And uh, with that, uh, let's go to Casey for some shout outs for the end of the show. Yeah, so uh, I do a show, I've mentioned a couple times now, on uh, Sunday, and it's similar to this, but um, it's, it's uh, more, yeah, broad. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark goes deep, I go wide. And, and, <laughs> and, and, then, and with that, you've got the whole EV and green living uh, industry and, and saving you a lot of time on research because he and I spend hours every week uh, doing this. Not to say that, that Patrick doesn't. Patrick also does, but uh, you get what I'm saying. And uh, <laughs> not on uh, YouTube. This is my own, this and the other right, right. show. Or, yeah. <laughs> so Patrick spends two hours on screen, and then Mark and I spend a lot of hours offsite. And and then Patrick's like, "Hey, did you check this out?" And I'm like, "Thank you. That saves me from having to find it." <laughs> but <laughs> you can you can find us. Uh, you can find me and 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 the, and the crew chat with Casey and friends at caseygreen.com. Um, well, yeah, caseygreen.com, but youtubecom caseygreen. That's K-A-C-E-Y. G-R-E-E-N. And uh, Patrick? Hello. Uh, so there was a question I want to answer this. Hockey Day asked if batteries of the future will use the same materials. And uh, the answer is nobody knows. It's the future. It hasn't been invented yet. But there are some fundamental physics uh, at play. We will certainly still know how to make the batteries with the chemistries that we have today. They will be better. So uh, there will still be some market for those. But there's there's always cool stuff being invented there's a battery today it's a lithium air battery uh that's super light and they're being used in hearing aids but they don't scale well to larger form factors um recharge. Great, yeah yeah the rechargeable um uh, so anyway so what what's the future battery going to be uh not yet invented but uh i'm sure there will still be a market for these materials in in, in one form or another so uh that was the question. On to my normal plugs. Uh, I blog at carswithcords.net, and I'm blogging about a future free from fossil fuels. <laughs> and I'm also with the Oregon Electric Vehicle Association. You can find us at oeva.org. Thanks. Very good. Derek Ludwig has joined the show at 7.57 and says, hello, <laughs> greetings. And this is just time and time to say goodbye. Derek, you got to join the show earlier. You, Derek. Don't, you don't come Hi, in Derek. three minutes before the end of the show. <laughs> but but, but, so but we do have the DVR function turned on, so you can rewind us after, <laughs> after you true. watch the end. So, and, well, yeah. we still appreciate you and, and all the others that joined us today. Uh, so we thank you all uh, for being there. Uh, Hockey Day JT Anders uh, joined us uh, from Europe. Uh, we've got uh, who else? It was at the beginning there. We've got Zachary. We got uh, Martin and who's that Casey Green guy? He's yeah, that guy. Like, <laughs> I don't know who that is. But uh, we certainly thank you all uh, for joining us today. Uh, Dana uh, joined us at the beginning. So uh, yeah. thanks very much for being with us. Come by next week, uh, Derek, a little earlier. And uh, together we will find <laughs> out what is going on in the Tesla life. 
we've also got a podcast. If you like, if you miss even the be able, being able to rewind it, uh, you can play it in your car. It's right there on the on the Tesla screen, and uh, we enjoy it. Thank you, Lee Moon. And we want to thank Lee Moon for the music that we're not playing right now. Right. Stay positive. Test negative. 